You're listening to the Winnebus.net Podcast Network. They come from the bowels of hell, guided by a master plan for complete domination of the earth. It arouses such emotion that the management has been forced to state positively no refund. Hey, and welcome to Deliberations of Doom, our werewolf series, part two. First off, last time we ended with this, I'm going to start with it. <coughs> Brought to you by Oscar Blues Brewing Company. Thank you so much to these guys. They are great. They have locations, two locations in Colorado, one location in Austin. Well, literally walking distance from my house, so, you know, I might yeah. be a little How convenient. Biased. How convenient. <laughs> and one in North Carolina. A lot of great beers. We've been drinking tonight the, their, uh, their, their, Pilsner and their IPA. Enjoying both of these quite a bit. These guys are great. The original craft brew in a can. Please, not only try out their beers, go to their breweries. I, I can only speak for having gone to the Austin one, which is actually pretty amazing. It's huge. Uh, it's like a warehouse with like a stage and like a giant fucking bar. It's great. We're the, the four of us are going to go there sometime, and, and I'll oh, yeah. and y'all be like, "God damn, you're right. This is a cool bar." All the mama's little all, yellow pills because I love that shit. Uh, but they also make uh, homemade sodas, which are super good. What? As well. what? Yeah, go and, on and, <laughs> and dry rubs. They make their own dry rubs, and weirdly, they manufacture bicycles. So Oscar Blues has got you covered. Whatever your thing is, yeah. barbecue, uh, soda. Uh, craft beer or biking or biking or, and yeah. all those things go together well or Oscars or blues yeah. you know whichever those you're into yeah. or, ki- or checking out breweries that's Oscar spelled with a K in the in the confusing moment and available in a can at uh, at your local store yeah they are the first craft beer to decide you know what maybe craft beer should be in a can and they were the guys who started that trend with their Dale's Pale Ale which is super good but all that being said. And let me just give a thank out as well to the subscribers. You guys are the reason why we're here. You are the real heroes. You are the real heroes. You're the only reason we can do this. If it wasn't for subscribers, we can't do this. And if you guys, every time I see one of you guys cancel a subscription, my my, my soul dies a little bit because I'm like, oh, don't you it's know? Not all left, guys. Don't you know we're that you're the only reason we can do this? If it's not for you guys, we can't do it. Literally. Like, and that was a that was a valid literally. Yeah, uh, yeah and uh, you know, there's lots of cool stuff for subscribers. We do uh, commentaries on movies. This new cool show called The Gathering. Oh, which yeah. You gotta check so out. much fun. Even Rob's been on The Gathering. I, I made, I made, I may have brought down the equality level on The Gathering as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Highly and then, suspect reviews, which yeah. I like to moonlight on occasionally. Yeah, it's which is not, fun. which is not a subscriber thing, but yes. But still. Yeah. Uh, and the weekly, of course, for the bottom level two dollars a month you get weekly podcasts that like you don't have to look at the news you're always like people are talking about oh did you hear about that new movie thing you're like no i don't have time to look at the internet well you know what an hour a week in your car you can listen to our podcast the breakfast pub that's for the bottom of two dollar a month subscribers and we get just summarize all the news stories about what all the trailers are about that all there for movies and tv shows and you can talk about it in your office pool near the water cooler as if you completely had seen it yourself I honestly, I listen to The Breakfast Club. I do. Hey, you told me that's one of your favorite shows. Yeah, it's one of my favorite shows because that way I can listen to the, about the trailers without actually having to watch the trailers. And so I feel I know what is going on without being spoiled. Nice. And, And worse than the trailers now is the tiny five second mini trailer of the trailer that comes on before the trailer. When did that happen? I don't know, but it's driving me insane. That That's all Russ talks about. And they all have the thing with the, the, the sound effect steadily. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, 
in a world. And then the trailer. Without Chris Cox. That's not possible. <laughs> there will never be such a world. Because I got bitten by a wolf the other day. All right, oh, God. Nice segue. Oh, yeah. We've got to go to questions first. Okay, we're going to be quicker on these so we can get to all our Rob, who we now call the master of the questions. Oh, my God. All right, so questions. Uh, we got six of them on this one. Uh, numbers oh, – uh, actually, this one we already answered. I, I was not aware of this. Paul Nashi werewolf movies. They asked if we watched any of those. I did not know who that is. I yeah. said no. Uh, no, we did not. Okay. Okay. How's that spelled? That was uh, from Blair. Uh, asked that. It's uh, N-A-S – C-H-Y, so there may be a werewolf uh, part two, because patients... I'm hoping there'll be a werewolf God part damn two. It. You don't have to hope for us. There'll be a werewolf, too. Why do you we'll guys hate um, me? Number seven. Actually, I, I don't see Is there it. any important horror films you guys haven't seen, um, like, tons. personally? and uh, Or is there one you feel, as a horror fan, you should watch by now? Oh, there's so many. Okay, I mean, well, like, just name, like, two or like three. Look, uh, uh, Carnival Souls, I've still not gotten around to. Oh, okay. I've always been like, damn, I can't believe it. I own it, and I still haven't watched it yet. Oh, wow. And everyone's like, oh, What's it's the matter, a matter, Catch? You're too scared? No, but even from a horror point of view, like, not just a horror point of view, but people who, like, you like... David Lynch and you haven't watched Carnival of Souls? It's like, feels like the number one thing that got, like, Car- David Lynch started as a young guy. It's like, he watched that movie and went, oh. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different stuff also, out there. Also, a movie that's in a lot of other movies because it, the copyright has elapsed. True. So, so yeah. you see that movie a lot. It's one of the famously they didn't renew. And then, the in reference specifically to this episode, uh, Oliver Reed and Curse of the Werewolf, which I've always heard is super great, and I've never gotten around to. God huh. damn! Okay, we okay, are doing werewolf, werewolf movies, part two. Two werewolf movies: Paul Nashi werewolf movies <sighs> and Curse of uh, Patience. Is there an overrated? I, is there a classic or whatever that you wanted to? There. I mean, I feel like. I'm really out of the loop in a lot of, like, the super, like, 50s, 60s, 70s horror films. I mean, for example, like, Quarter Mass in the Pit was one of the very first, that's the only Hammer movie studios film I've seen. So I feel like I'm kind of missing out on all of those really awesome, like, you know, 60s, 70s films that that everyone, I well, I, that I overlook in favor of the more modern, independent films. We so. should totally do a Hammer episode. Yeah, I, I agree with that. 100%. It's a mixed bag, but we, we could definitely do I it. mean, there's a lot of bad Hammer, but there's more than enough great ones to right. put six movies together. Well, Hammer. So, Russ. Uh, I thought about this um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh, yeah. that movie's boring that as too. fuck. <laughs> I, I love Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. That movie is so boring. Great double feature with Man Bites Dog. Ugh. You don't like Man Bites Dog either? No, that's fine. I do like Man Bites Dog, but Henry of a Portrait of a Circular is up there with Zodiac as far as the two most boring films I've ever seen yeah, in my I life. I really love Zodiac, too. Me, too. I love Zodiac. <laughs> you guys. Um, I've never seen all the Cabinet of Dr. Calgary, and I've oh, never... So I know, right? I've like studied in film schools. So we watched like, bits and pieces, but I never sat down and watched the movie. And probably, um, maybe like as far as older movies, like a lot of the older... Classic movies I, I have, like, Patience Missed. I mean, I've seen a few, like, Nosferatu and Dracula mm-hmm. and stuff, but I like Phantom of the Opera. Like, I haven't seen, like, the Lon Chaney Phantom of the Opera and stuff, so yeah, I, don't think I've I would seen like to have seen that. Okay, um, uh, this is also from Michael. This is sort of his uh, part two. Um, he said, uh, on the opposite spectrum, is there an obscure horror movie that you love that you think everybody else should watch? 
I mean, isn't that what the show is? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like this. all of them. I'm not really sure how to answer this other than say, listen to deliberation. Right, okay. What is it like? Is there one that's been on here that you would say, everybody needs to check that out? Quite a few. I just can't think of a specific one. Yeah, not off the top of my head, but I mean, yeah. Well, it depends on what people are asking about, because like, I feel like horror is a is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. so many different options. Yeah. Like, some days I go, you guys should totally watch Killer Cons from Outer Space. It is like a, a an awesome film for certain types of people. Right. You know, other days I go, oh, you should go and see the French film Inside, which is an awesome film for certain types of people. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, just listen to the podcast. Yeah, all right, answer. so the podcast. But he would just do it out there. Uh, yeah. Know, if you can, um, Russ, do you have any? Uh, yeah, I had one, um, which was um, the original uh, South Korean The Eye. Yeah. Which oh, was, yeah. Uh, the Pang Brothers. Yeah, which was one of the scariest movies this day I've ever seen. Well, um, I loved uh, The Monster, and uh, that's why I engineered a whole episode where we talked about it. So The Monster is still one of my favorite Underrated uh, recent horror movies. So. That was literally the whole purpose of that episode. I just love that movie, and I thought people should know about it. So I, the monster. I mean, I feel like I know that you're kind of like in this sort of like I'm dating now thing, and I'm like, has someone seen if Zoe Kazan is is, is actually single? <laughs> she's she's been like, dating Paul Dano for like eight years. Oh, yeah, that's not gonna last. Yeah, that's totally not gonna last. <laughs> um, all right, uh, is there a book or a movie that you couldn't continue because you were so disgusted? Yeah, um, American um, Psycho. Um, the movie? No, the book. The book. You couldn't finish the book. What about a movie? Is there a movie? Hmm. Wow. No, Cox. I've sat through pretty much you everything. you sat through everything? There are movies I've, I've stopped sitting through because they were just so fucking bad. I was no, like, no. I had lost Just interest. grossed out is the question. Yeah. Obviously, no, not, not for... I, I, I can't think of anything offhand that I was that grossed Patience, out by. Is there a movie you've been grossed out by? Um, th- well, there's definitely a... You know, there's like a five or six movies that I straight up refuse to watch. And mm. they're like, you know, a Serbian film. Yeah. Human Centipede, 120 yeah. Days of Sodom. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a, in, Irreversible is yeah. up there with Inside that. Inside was another one. For uh, me. Martyrs would probably be the other one. So, I mean, there's definitely movies that I know that I just don't need to be watching. Um, as far as one that I was so, like, I finished it, though, was Last House on the Left. I mean, I still watched the whole entire movie, the old one and the new one. You guys hate that movie, right? The first one? Yeah. Yeah. It's just Wes Craven. Actually, that was on my short list of movies uh, not good to have sex to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And if we ever have a Wes Craven episode, that is not going to be on it. 110. 110. So, um, as far as books go, there was one book that I read. It was by Bentley Little. It was called The House, I believe, and it had some very strong, like, pedophilia type stuff going on that I just, I had a hard time stomaching. I did finish the book, though. Okay. So, I mean, once I start something, I'm fucking all in, but I know my limits and I know what not to watch. Cannibal Holocaust, you know? I've had problems with the the American Psycho, the hungry rats being threatened. fed through a habit trail into a woman's vagina that has been rubbed with raw meat. And I was like, out! Oh. I'm out! Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> wow, just the description alone, <laughs> yeah. I'm never You're fucking reading that book. Out. Russ? Uh, you know, Patience said a lot of the ones I would have said, and, and I agree with her, and, and also just, yeah, I've, I've reached that point as an adult where I, I, look, some, some people, the whole point of seeing the movie is to be grossed out and they, yeah, they're sort of, you know, look at me, flex my horror movie muscle. I, I, I don't feel that way anymore and I just don't want it in my head. I don't want to see the human centipede. I don't get it. It's just, it's just not my jam. I don't like to be grossed out. It's not graphic at all. I can imagine that it's probably smarter than that, but that said, I'm out on it. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, 
some of the other stuff, you know, it's funny. It's like something like um, uh, the original Hostel uh, when he has to clip the eyeball off the girl and it's it's pretty uh, awful um but it didn't bother me as much i think because i really liked the movie and it felt like it was part of the story um and i guess you get into other stuff like Raimi's stuff is a little bit gross out but again it, it doesn't feel like that's all that it has going on for it so i can kind of stomach it but yeah if there's something really gross particularly if it's like scatological um, I'm, I just, I'm out. I think that's a valid point. I mean, if there's something else about the movie that's intriguing, it's not just about the gore, you know, or, or the gross stuff, then I'll, I, yeah, cause hostile I'm, I'm in, you know, but I'm sorry if it's poop, pedophilia, yeah. Or like yeah, those actual I, people getting hurt and kill, or you know, animals getting hurt. Then I have to draw the line. There. I, or and also and hurt. a lot of rape stuff. You know, oh, yeah. no, definitely. I'm only like, does it make? Is there a reason for this to be vital to the storyline, or is it just there to be gratuitous? Is a huge difference, yeah. no matter what it is. Yeah, it can be something that's beyond my limits, and I'll take it if it's very vital to the story working. Yeah. I don't um, care if that's in there. I have no problem. Actually, I'm the guy. I'm like. So animals get so we're all going to go like oh my god an animal got killed I'm not going to watch that and I'm like but we watch humans get killed all the time we have no problem it just always feels weird to me that we're all like oh I have no problem in my own species human being life killed. no value but in fake for fake <laughs> but an animal being killed for fake I'm like nope I'm, I'm out I'm okay with fake animals being killed but like for example like murdering tortoise in cannibal holocaust that I'm not okay with oh yeah real life that's real no, life. well yeah. any real life animal killing in yeah. a film is. Uh, you know, obviously, um, definition. Did you you guys that? already nailed almost everything. I would say I, I can specifically think the one movie, and I know everybody's going to tell me I was wrong to shut this off. Um, I could not get through a Dead Alive. Once they, like, the pus started shooting into the food and they were all going to eat it, <laughs> I remember I was so gagging, and I was, like, <laughs> I, I was like, well, I didn't, th- I, it's, you know, I get that, but I didn't think it was really funny. I just thought it was gross, and I was like, oh, this is gross. Um, I'll bet the rest of this movie is kind of fun because I do think Peter Jackson's you know brilliant. But I was like, just I, there was no value in it for me. Like when Raimi does weird stuff, like there's so much more fun to it. And instead, it felt a little like it just felt so like gleefully gross. So I was like, I'm out. Um, it, it is gleefully. Gross I know. In the it's best just, possible. I know. Way. I just. Gross I'm food out. is just definitely, talking about it right now. It's making me gag. Gross food um, is definitely so a trigger. Okay. Uh, so uh, question number eleven: Jason Murphy's Black Goat Motorcycle Club. Did you read it? Could it be adopted, adapted into a movie? And if so, who would you want to direct it? Matt asked this. Okay, Jason Murphy, posing as Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Having read it, uh, and I, I admittedly never read the very final version. I read the next to final draft sure. version because he sent it to me early for like final thoughts. And I'm not bragging. Everybody knows Jason Murphy and the I. Ghost of Phil is place. here right now. <laughs> he's, he's, dropping the same place. he's from He said it to me and Jesse Bradford. <laughs> uh, it. It was great. And it's one of those things, like, you read it, and you're like, this feels like a John Carpenter movie, straight up. And he's like, well, yeah, you know me. Of course it's a John Carpenter movie. He's filming his fantasy John Carpenter film, or writing his fantasy John Carpenter film. And that's exactly what it feels like the John Carpenter movie So who do you think should direct it besides John Carpenter? That I don't know. Okay. I also own the book. I still haven't read it. It's on my stack of a lot of books that I am reading right now. But um, I also know Jason Murphy. Not as good Um, as Chris does. So... I would like to. I would You're like to say like twenty uh, years. What do you want? From so, <laughs> Russ and I want to point out we did not receive free copies of this book. Oh no, I had 
to pay for mine. Oh yeah, so oh, yeah, I I'm bought out. mine. I haven't read it. Uh, I did not receive my free yeah. copy. I will see if it's available at my local library because I do love the Austin Library. Um, uh, so I can't tell you if it's good. Um, you know, but I, I like Jason, so yeah, he's a cool dude. Uh, maybe Phil Guzman should direct it. That's it. That was probably nice pick. And, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, uh, you know, summer spells. We could probably clear our schedule if someone else puts it on. I think you guys should direct. Oh, it. thanks. Yeah, I'm um, sure Jason spent the whole time. Well, those guys ruined my book. Um, <laughs> so number twelve. Uh, any movie monsters you feel deserve as many movies as werewolves. This is kind of a weird question. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I and, think uh, like pretty the critic asked that on Twitter. I mean, like, werewolves, technically speaking, haven't had that many movies of movie Not monsters. enough, patience. I mean, they're like, they're probably of the classic, if you're looking at the classic Universal monsters, there's probably second after vampires, but there's a real big drop-off yeah. after number one. And then there's an even bigger drop-off to <laughs> mummies, which is the next one. So. Yeah, that was, my choice was uh, mummies or golems. I feel like they don't really get their Golems. golems. Yeah, there's apparently a much being talked about indie horror film about the golem, the yeah. Jewish golem coming out soon that people, I can't remember what festival played it, but people were raving about it, saying it was super good. Well, so. I always take the festival thing with a green salt. Oh, well, I do too. Festival yeah. Madness, but still, that's okay. where we get our Says first the awards. festival award winning yeah. Summers uh-huh. Brothers. <laughs> so, it's because uh, we're jaded. Uh, yeah, even no, then, that, that even makes my point for me. <laughs> uh, no, we, we already mentioned mummies. Uh, I'd like to see more mummy movies. Yeah, but I feel like the, the, they got their big budget with, movie this year. And last it, well, year well they did well. last year, but they just followed suit with the 99 mummy of making it this action movie. And, um, you know, I think some of the mummy movies, uh, you know, and, and that I think is a topic that we may eventually get to. I argue I've, that even the original mummy movie is kind of shitty. <laughs> uh, of all the Universal first films, that's the worst one. Only if we get to watch Brandon Fraser Mummy 1 and 2. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up questions. Uh, <laughs> send us questions. Uh, we love it, love it, love it. Any social media feedback, Russ and I try and respond to almost all of it. We'll also cheap. take gifts, uh, cash donations. Yeah. Like Jameson. <laughs> Jameson. Yeah. Bottles you know. of Jameson. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So uh, next up on the Werewolf uh, Movie Review. It is. The 1994 film Wolf. In our original segment, of course, we talked about the, we, the original Wolfman. We talked about American Wolf in London, and we talked about the remake of the Wolfman, which was dealing kind of with the original premise of the werewolf. I felt like even American Wolf in London is very much kind of sticking in a lot of ways to that original context, even though it's a comedy thing. Wolf is one of those movies that is trying to do something very different with the werewolf storyline, If even if it's as much of... They don't really completely wolf out. They just get kind of like more biker guy looking, you know? And But it's Jack Nicholson, who is this guy. If he had never played a werewolf, we'd all be going, why did Jack Nicholson never play a werewolf? Mm-hmm. But he did. In this film, directed by Mike Nichols, an uh, unusual choice. Mike Nichols, choice. director of The Graduate yeah. and Carnal Knowledge. Uh, and who's Rudy afraid Girl, of Virginia Woolf? And the uh, uh, Virginia Woolf. Oh, my God. It's been there the whole time. There you go. Uh, and Michelle Pfeiffer, James Spader, uh, Richard, uh, younger Richard Jenkins. I, I, like, I was like, oh, my God, that is Richard Although, Jenkins. was Richard Jenkins ever really young? I, it's hard to say. He's, yeah. yeah, he's younger. Christopher Plummer, David Hyde Pierce from Steal Cheers. the show. Or from Cheers. And, Fraser. Uh, sorry, from Fraser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the story here... It follows uh, uh, Jack Nicholson, who is a editor-in-chief of Publishing House, uh, who is apparently been very successful, but he's had some shit because, like, 
a very Jackie Collins-esque writer he called out as he basically rejected his garbage that she turned into one of the biggest things ever. And everyone's like, wow, you're the guy who turned down that writer. And it's starting to affect his career. And now he's starting to have issues with his uh, protege, James Spader, who had he thought was like they were very close friends, but it turned out that the guy's been undercutting him going to his boss, Christopher Plummer, and going, yeah, obviously that guy's too old to do that now. You should give me the job. All that being said, uh, when the movie starts, we see him being just, you know, driving in the snow, getting out of the car because he hits a wolf, being bitten by said wolf. Well, obviously shit's going to go down with that. He gets the wolf virus, which takes a quite a long time to really kick in in this film, surprisingly. The film spends a lot of time developing all these characters and their relationships with each other. The fact that uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, who is the the rebellious daughter of Jack Nicholson's boss, Christopher Plummer, who's now currently in the pits to fucking him over, is interested in hooking up with him initially only because he's the guy who's about to get fired and it's going to piss daddy off. But as Jack Nicholson's wolf instincts through this vaguely described wolf virus start to come to the forefront, he's like, really got this amazing sense of smell and he's more deft and he's more dexterous and he's kind of more clever, uh, and more good looking, uh, less obviously old. <laughs> uh, she's actually starts to get really get into him, but there's it. The movie does an interesting thing. I thought this is actually one of the things I liked about it very early on in the film. He bites before we're even clear of what's exactly going on with him. He bites, uh, James Spader. And then James Spader isn't in the movie for, like, an hour. Like, he's just not in the movie. And then when he comes back, it's like, well, because there has to be somebody here to antagonize you. And you're like, oh, that's right, he got bitten. For the record, James Spader also looks pretty good, kind of wolfed out. It's like, damn, dude, you look good with a lot of extra facial hair. He's handsome. You could have been in a grunge band in the 90s. (laughs) Um this is a film that I feel like it, it definitely wasn't received well across the board, but it was also not panned absolutely. And I think there's because a lot of clever Mike Nichols stuff. I think the horror stuff doesn't work as well as the Mike Nichols typical, like sort of like drama comedy stuff does. That stuff works great. When it gets a little more into the last act, when it gets into a straightforward horror, there's some awkward, very clunky shit going on. Especially there's one scene I think of in particular where Jack Nicholson's locked in a, a, a a uh, stable cage and there's a shot he keeps trying to jump over it, and the shot just felt like you just reused the same shot like eight times to establish that he's trying to get out and like that's super clunky dude just have him break the bars or something but everything is worth it for the final scene where Michelle Pfeiffer has clearly been wolfed and, and you're like mm. <laughs> I would totally ah. hook up with wolfie Michelle Pfeiffer you would just hook up with regular <laughs> not wolfie Michelle Patty Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> Wolfie Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> just every Michelle Pfeiffer except Scarfa- uh, Scarface Michelle Pfeiffer who clearly had an eating disorder and, and had was like serious on a problems. lot of cocaine. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, especially Scarface. Especially no, no. So, uh, more thoughts? No, I, I, in general, I, I, even when this came out, I was like, I felt like this was kind of underrated, but it is uneven. It's a fun movie to watch. It's at 125 minutes. It's way longer than it needs to be. It's that type of movie that even when I rewatched it, I was like, I took a break for a couple hours and went and did something else and then came back to it. It's like, okay, time to come back and finish the movie and enjoyed it in that context. Uh, sitting straight through, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit hard, but there's so much good stuff. There's so many good performances in here. And I even like that sort of like that take on the, 
this is kind of a halfway werewolf film, and I get it's kind of supposed to be about other stuff, but I'll be honest, I don't care about that the underlying subtextual metaphors here. It's just fun to watch Jack Nicholson dealing with werewolf shit, quite frankly. I actually feel exactly the opposite, and I chose this movie, and I'm apologizing, because I remember when I saw this movie, okay, 94, I was 20, when it came out, Jesus, I shouldn't have said that on the air. Um, <laughs> I was 20 when this came out. I loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic in every way, shape, and form. And then on the rewatch, I was like, oh, this is not very good at all. I think the absolute best part of the movie is James Spader. I mm. think he steals the whole entire show because I just found Jack Nicholson post-wolf bite to be completely annoying. How he kind of like lowers his voice and tries to do like this Batman voice thing. I It just, it started to grate on my nerves halfway through and I was like, I am going to rage quit this movie any minute. I just, I didn't I was just uh, maybe I just was so built up in my head, but I just found the whole entire movie, like you said, it was way too long. There was a lot of really clunky scenes. I feel like this is not a horror movie hmm. at all. I think this is more of like a romance movie. This is more like what was that other film that Michelle Pfeiffer was in with Rutger Hauer? Um, where Lady Hawk. It, yeah. I feel like this was more like a, a remake of Lady Hawk than that, it was a werewolf. It's definitely movie. one of those films that like is that you can tell Mike Nichols doesn't want to make a horror film it, at all. And, and I there was a lot of arguing is. behind the scenes before this film even got into production about that. Like, what kind of movie are we even making here? Yeah, like there's a lot of discussion about like no one being very clear. So is this like a just a drama or is it a dramedy is it with like I mean obviously with horror elements but to what degree and I feel like that's one of the problems with the third act is that they had just stuck to it not clearly not being a horror film it would have been a better film yeah you know uh yeah I I agree with you it's this is another case of of an of a werewolf film that doesn't have a solid identity and I would recommend Lady Hawk Every day, all day, over this. <laughs> Sans Matthew review. Roderick, oh, though. See Lady Hawk. See Lady... Don't watch this movie. Watch Lady Hawk instead. That could, that's confusing, but okay. <laughs> my, dad, my dad loves Lady Hawk. He's like, that movie's really good. Um, Russ? Uh, Wolf. Okay. Uh, yes? Uh, what? Oh, sorry. No, I, I greatly uh, I greatly enjoyed this movie. Um, I found it... You know, it's it's kind of... It's it's weird to say because it's I mean it still feels like uh, something of a modern movie but they kind of don't make movies quite like this anymore it's sort of this old school nineties like star vehicle um, and it's the Joker meets Catwoman which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. um, don't think of it that way yeah uh, uh, and and I, I I you know I think watching it again uh, was interesting it, it has it, it has that Mike Nichols feel to it that. It's it's at times almost theatrical, and then it's this upper crust uh, uh, New York uh, publishing elite. Um, and uh, side note, um, my favorite uh, things in movies is New York apartments that are filled with books. Uh, I just and there was a lot of that in this movie, and it made me very happy. Um, I, I I still to this day, um, why the fuck did anyone? Pick Mike Nichols to direct this movie. I don't know. He made kind of a strange movie, uh, but he brought a lot to it. I think it's probably one of the classiest movies we've ever reviewed on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's filled with you know the kinds of things we don't normally see in these these like horror movies. Uh, 
And again, it's weird because you think to yourself, like, do you think, like, in preparation for this movie, like, Mike Nichols and Elaine May sat around and watched horror movies? I'm going to go with probably not. Uh, so, I, but I do think this, the other stuff that, that, that it, that it has, you know, that, that New York publishing world, he obviously understands that very well and he does a great job with it. And he does manage to intermingle that with, the idea of the the werewolf, uh, I I think, uh, you know, I, I have to say, this is probably some of the best dialogue. Uh, again, in this podcast, we've we've had in, in a movie. I mean, I just there's there's amazing line, amazingly written lines. Uh, Jim Harrison, the novelist, was one of the writers, and he wrote and, Legends of the Fall, and he just I love he that revenge, movie so much. and he really brought something to this movie, and and I think that there's a scene. It only got made because he and Jack Nicholson's friendship. Who both really wanted to make this film? Well, I, you know, that scene with with Om Puri as uh, the the mystical, I guess he's a professor mm-hmm. uh, who Jack Nielsen talks to. I, I think is is so well done and well written and well directed and well acted. I mean, Om Puri, I think is actually better than Nicholson in the scene. He he clearly came to play. He's you know he knew he was going to be doing the scene with Nicholson and and. It's it's probably one of my favorite scenes in a movie ever, and I think as far as discussing the idea of the werewolf, the idea of of what it means, you know, the, the animal within man, I, it's 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 just I don't know. It's it's something. It's the kind of scene that I love to see in a movie. What does he say? Um, love without doubt, power without guilt. It feels good to be wolf. Yeah, and and then I just uh, real quick um. Uh, I just wanted to make some shout-outs. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to the Bradbury Building, which shows up in this movie. I and always and Nichols uh, shoots it incredibly boring. He shoots it you so know. it looks like a generic office thing. And, of course, it's hilarious because the Bradbury Building is such a classic L.A. fixture, and it's supposed to be in New York. Uh, shout-out to my boy Ross, David David Schwimmer, yeah. who shows up very briefly yeah. as a cop yeah. in the movie. Um, uh, shout-out, as we mentioned earlier, to my boy Richard Jenkins yeah. uh, as a, a really funny, befuddled uh, cop. Uh, and he tells a great story about shooting um, Wolf with Mike Nichols on, on uh, his episode of uh, WTF with Mark Maron. And, and finally, a, a shout-out to um, really hideous 90s office furniture, uh-huh. which is all in this movie and was incredibly distracting. I mean, just you should have just covered everything with books. Instead of having yeah, all that yeah. office furniture, just with the tables or just plywood over books, it would have made more sense. Uh, but I did want to say, um, uh, Pfeiffer is fantastic in this movie, yes. um, in a part that is somewhat underwritten. But she is—I mean, she kills every line, and there, I just there was a my- lot of controversy about that because when you watch it, you're like. She's not really a woman with agency. She's written like a character who seems like she was written with a woman, but a woman with agency, but she's not. And there was a lot of discussion about that. And ultimately, it turned down. It came out to her, Michelle Pfeiffer going, "I don't think this is a great part, but goddamn, I get to work with Jack Nicholson." Well, and, and I think and that, 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 that the, again, the dialogue is great. Her interaction with with Nicholson she gives is really it great, all. and she gives it her all, and and everything. That's really great about the character. I mean, I think to a certain extent she brought to it. Uh, see if there's anything else here, but uh, I think that's it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to echo most of what Russ said. I do have, um, especially I hadn't. I watched this sort of last second. I like, I like, I was like, oh shit, I forgot to watch Wolf, and I hadn't seen it in 
years and years and years. And I found this movie really sucked me in. I was super engrossed by it. I forgot. I remembered it being flawed, deeply flawed, but I remember that I really liked a lot of elements of it. And, and it, it's true. Like, I think that there's so much going on in the movie. I think that, um, you know what else? I think compared to a lot of the movies that we watched on this podcast, I was sort of like, Russ said, like, oh, shit, this is a big Hollywood movie. Like, movie stars and, like, a coherent script and, like, <laughs> you know, like, nuance to the performances. Like, you know, Nichols, like, is clear, is clear then and it was clear now. Nichols is not a person who is interested in this particular kind of genre. He's never made anything remotely approaching this ever. Except, well, actually, he made Day of the Dolphin, which maybe, but it's not a horror movie. And, but he's really good with actors. And he's like somebody like Sidney Lumet. Like, the actors give these really nuanced, layered performances. And Michelle Pfeiffer, especially, like, you're right. Like, I can see that there, there's flaws to the character writing, but she's so fucking good. She shows, like, what really great actors can do with a part that can transform a movie. And I just loved watching any scene she was in. Nicholson is great. I forgot how good he can be when he underplays some stuff. And he actually does underplay some shit in here. And it's fun to watch him become the wolf and sort of start to outsmart everybody. Um, and like Russ said, there's a great scene where, they, you know, they discuss the wolf and what the wolf means. And it's this demon wolf. And then it brings out in you who you are. And, and, you know, if you're, you know, if you're bad, then the wolf is not bad. It just amplifies who you are. And so it has some interesting ideas about what's going on with him. Um, we, you know, uh, it is, I think, disappointing on almost every visual level. Um, I think it is an ugly looking movie. It is uh, not particularly well shot, not particularly visually crafted. The wolf is, you know, you know, they, they, they do lean into the werewolf shit way more than I thought they did. I remember them being more metaphorical with it. But no, like, Nicholson's, like, you know, run around on four legs all of a sudden. Yeah, and it looks fucking awful. Well, you know, the scene with the deer is inexcusable. That's kind of why I wish they had kind of pulled Look, back more from the horror. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. there was another yeah. version of this movie, and I really, I struggled last night to try and think of a different director. And it's tough because I think Nichols did bring something to the movie. He's a very intelligent person, and he brought out some of the character stuff. He knew how to do some of the more intelligent, you know, personal stuff. But, um, you know, there were times where, you know, I know Patience was saying, like, Wolfman, but Wolfman is beautiful. I mean, compared to this movie, like, you know, the shafts of light and the sets, and, like, there's nothing going on in this movie, especially, like, and then they get to that third act, and it's so bad. It's, like, inexcusably bad, especially considering the movie that's come before that they just, you can tell, like, they were just... These guys, you know, these these guys got together and they don't make horror movies and they didn't know what to do. And they instead they kind of they do the same structure as Wolfman where there's two fighting werewolves and it's you know, this is non CGI. Lots and of it's, like let's jump in midair yeah, and, and, and it's fight in midair. Really, it's they're, really bad. They're, they're like sideburns. So many sideburns. Yeah, so, so much I mean, that's their transition. That's their big transition sequence is sideburns. Well you can tell that they had that Nichols had this idea to do less and, and that's an interesting idea that like you know, try to amplify sort of the man aspect of it. It was the right idea. It's it, a terrible execution. The studio execution. ended up getting over-involved, actually. I mean, even that whole thing I was complaining about earlier about that scene where he was jumping over mm-hmm. cost him a million dollars, which they described later as, Nichols described later as aspirin for the studio. The studio was like, I don't feel like there's enough action. They kept insisting, you need more action. You need to be less talky. More action. That was a mistake. It's it a needed, mistake. It, there's, a, there's a more... There's another way to do this movie, and really watching yesterday, I was like, man, you guys, like, you just didn't quite put it together. There's just a way to pull back slightly and maybe have had a more metaphorical ending or, or something that was more in the shadows or something, and they just they don't really know what to do. It's too bad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, 
I've, I think the movie's flawed, but like Russ said, there's some just some, I mean, some great stuff that I just, I was really entertained. Well, this, this is a movie along the lines of The Wolfman where I say to myself, like, the, again, it comes back to what is a bad movie? Is, how can you say something with this quality of things going on in it is a bad movie? Does it work? Is it perfect? Is it the greatest movie of all time? No. But a bad movie? I, I, it's just shocking to me that this movie has such a terrible reputation. Uh, it's nowhere, It's not deserving of a terrible reputation, but it is deserving of one of those films like What If? It's greatly flawed, but there is... It, I think it's still immensely worth seeing and more entertaining than a lot of shit we've sat through. Yeah, so. agree. And not scary, as none of the movies Not even are. slightly scary. Even, You're not even supposed to be scary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, What's next? It's more of an action film than it is, like, horror It's more of this, like... You know? I would you know, say it's more of a, like, romance. I mean, there's definitely the... Ro- I, I was surprised how much of the movie is the romance. And then an office... Politics and the romance satire. is genuinely charming in here. I was like, that's one of my favorite parts of it's it. It's really great. They're really great together, and they, their romance is beautifully written and interesting, and, uh, you know, it has some cool stuff going on. Well, let's talk about another very different take on the werewolf myth that I think is is a really good movie, and I sense we're going, I'm going to have some resistance on that, and that is the 2000 Canadian horror film directed by John Fawcett, uh, Ginger Snaps. Uh, John Fawcett, what is that? I just saw he went on to something else. He's, He's been doing Orphan, Orphan Black. Black. He's yeah. one of the main directors of Orphan Black, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ginger Snaps, surprisingly, because I remember seeing going, wow, no one's ever going to see this movie, which is a shame because I really love it, spawned two sequels that also were generally well-received by Did critics. Did you see them? I have not seen okay. either one of them. Uh, but the, the but anybody else want to talk about the plot of this one? Uh, patience. patience. I feel like you seem oh, like the appropriate person. Oh, God, I person. hate this movie so much. Okay, so not Patience. No, um, so it, there's, it's, it's the tale of two emo, sad, woe-is-me sisters who are going through high school. They're unpopular. Um, they're... Not so much anarchists as just anti-establishment. They're more gothy emo. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're still. They're. They feel really, really sorry for themselves, and um, they want to die. But anyway, one of them gets uh, bitten um, by a wolf-like creature, and she starts this whole transformation. It's kind of like She's All That meets the werewolf movie, where at one point, I swear, she has like the... I mean, she doesn't wear glasses, but she walks into the school like she just took off her glasses, and now everyone thinks she's hot all of a sudden. Uh, It was a lot more than that. She had like the white strands on either side of her hair. She also takes off her her jacket, and you can see her tatas, too. Dude, she Um, was... Catherine, uh, uh, or Sorry, uh, Catherine Isabel, when she transformed... Thank God she like, was 22 when she made this oh movie, Oh, my Chris. God, you're hot. And she gets wolfy. <laughs> so... And then, so she starts transitioning into the whole werewolf, and her sister is trying to save her, and um, she doesn't want to be saved. I feel like she she just goes full werewolf. Yeah, and there's... I mean... That's definitely there. The takes where the guy is just nothing but pathos driven in werewolf films who's infected. And then there's the takes where someone's like, I don't, I feel like half the time I'm really enjoying this and half the time I realize that I'm making a huge mistake. And this is the one where, with that, because sometimes she's like, what am I doing? But most of the time she's like, and it has to do, this is more as it draws towards the full moon. She's getting more and more and more like closer to the wolf. It's actually like multiple months of, of full moons. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that she comes like, it's a couple months later where she finally starts getting like super wolfy and, and she just turns into a major fucking see you next Tuesday. <laughs> Honestly. Which is the point. 
And then her poor sister's just like, As opposed to those nice werewolves. Right? I I mean, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. I was not a super big fan of this film. This, you know, if funny enough, this was the first time I'd ever seen it. And I am like, kind of, it's so popular in like, you know, independent or cult classic horror films. Or even feminist cinema. Yeah. I mean, Ginger Snaps is like. Are you already biased against it because it's a werewolf werewolf film film? to begin with? No, I don't. I mean, it's possible. Okay. I I was just curious. It's very, very possible. I was actually, this was the one that I was excited to see the most. I've seen all of the other ones. Um, you but saw the sequels and not this? No, no, I've seen all of the oh, other okay. werewolf films okay. that were on our list. This was the only werewolf film I hadn't seen. So I was excited because I was like, finally, something I haven't seen and I have an excuse to watch it. And I just found the plot so, like, decisively emo and just, mm. and I didn't think it was endearing or fun. Like, for example, there's a movie out on Hulu right now that everyone should be watching called Tragedy Girls that premiered at Fantasia. And it's kind of a similar premise, except for they're serial killers and not werewolves. But they pull it off in a way that makes it like sort of fun and endearing, where this, I just felt like it was tedious. See, I feel like I would talk about Tragedy Girls the way you're talking about That I'm about talking Ginger about Snaps, Ginger I think Snaps. this is amazing, and that is kind of like exploitation. I garbage. loved Tragedy Girls. Yeah. Right, fair enough. But fair enough. Yeah. I just felt like that was more empowering. Tragedy Girls was more empowering as like... Stop trying know. to make Tragedy Girls happen. Okay. <laughs> I'm gra- you haven't seen it. Shut up. Stop trying to fetch Tragedy Girls. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I just felt like... I mean, I get it. It's 2000. I get it. I'm pretty sure if I was in high school in 2000, I would be like a super goth emo girl as well. And yeah. would you think you would like Ginger Snaps? I would probably be able to identify with it more. See, I showed this to my wife when I was rewatching it, and she was like, I really wish I had watched this when I was like 13 years old because it would have been my favorite movie of all time. See, I feel like it's just a destructive mentality in the movie as far as like, oh, life sucks, then we die. You know, and I just, I guess that's just not the kind of person I am. Not the person that you are. But don't you feel like that actually that's the arc of the one sister that she she realizes that's not how she feels? And that's, and I think that was the one redeeming moment for me is in the end, she's like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And even though she was the one that wanted to die the whole entire time. So I thought that was definitely the redeeming part. I also really liked um, there's some really like for a female especially, there's some cringeworthy moments as far as gore is concerned. Like when she's like has this hair and she's like trying to shave her legs and the bathtub is full of blood. Like that is fucking, that freaks me out. Like, I was like, oh god, or when she's trying to cut off her tail. So, in other words, it achieved its goal. Yeah, you're you're saying that wasn't No, I loved that part. That was definitely my favorite part. The werewolf looked fucking terrible, though, guys. Come on. It was super low budget. It was really, really bad. I thought it looked fine for what it was. I was pretty okay with it for a low budget movie. Russ? Uh, I saw this when it first came out, and, and I do remember... Uh, really liking it, and it was it was interesting to revisit it because of how much of the film had stayed with me, particularly certain images uh, and moments. Um, I, you know, I I like I like that they're sisters, and they you know they hang out together, and they like each other. I mean, I, I always find that great in movies, you know, where siblings are are friends, um, and they had that kind of weird bond with each other. And I thought it got a lot of stuff about. 
uh, high school kind of right, you know, with with the way that the the guys sort of thought of the girls and the way the girls reacted to them. I thought that was really great. Um, I I just want to say, um, who knew field hockey was so gangster? <laughs> Oh my god! Well, it totally is. It's so I, you know, I you didn't know, know that. In my private school, there was we had field hockey and we had lacrosse and stuff like that. Like these sports are like frou sports, right? No, they are the most violent sports that exist. I'll tell you right now, hockey has nothing on field hockey wow. or lacrosse. Nothing. Well, all right. Well, then that worked out. <laughs> uh, I, I think um, my main uh, problem with the film, and I do feel like it's it's a pretty successful movie. I, I agree with Patience. I, I see that it does kind of have the trappings of being uh, a, a movie set in high school, shot in Canada in the late '90s, early 2000s. It, it has that feel to it. But you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna view it in that context, and I'm gonna kind of give it that. But uh, I think, and this was again the problem that I, I had with it when I originally watched it, which was it's such a big metaphor. For um, for puberty, <laughs> and yeah, which is definitely the overarching. That's the and and the problem to me is as as my college uh, English professor said to me was, but so what? And so I feel like the problem is is it, it reaches that point and you realize oh it's this big metaphor for puberty and then it doesn't have any seem to have anything else to say about that other than that. Uh, and I think what it does with that is great, but it doesn't lead to a bigger uh, insight. Um, and other than that, uh, I thought the climax was somewhat confusing and cramped. Uh, I remember that when I first watched it and watching it again, it felt the same way. Uh, it, it felt, you know, slightly contrived. She had the extra cure, but she, like, didn't bring it with her, which seemed somewhat convenient. Uh, and I thought, um, actually, I wanted to say... Uh, Mimi Rogers, who plays the mom, um, she I thought that character's arc was really interesting. I also would like to point out, she was my hero throughout the movie, the mom, because she was just, like, trying so hard, and she's just, like, so understanding. You can tell a room full of 40-year-olds. <laughs> like, oh, the mom who awkwardly... But, no, but, but, but she was like, funny, and but, she but was I, understanding. She tried, I agree with you, I agree. and I felt like... That was something I liked was they weren't the stereotypical either the the just the sort of harsh disciplinarian right. or just sort of this jokey, stupid, like, you know, Betty Crocker sort of stereotype. She she tried to relate to her daughters and it really hit home at the end when you realized that, that she was going to say, I, I don't really she care that you – yeah, like, I, I don't care that you're a werewolf or you've killed people. Like, you're my daughter's yeah, and I love I'm, you. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're going to set fire to the house. Yeah. We're going to take off. What about dad? Fuck that. Yeah, yeah, no. He'll never understand. It's fine. But I'll take. But you he know. was as limited as his time was too. He felt like a character that was also kind of understanding, and and they gave the girls a little bit of rope, and and I I, I enjoyed that about the movie. They felt more like a real family. So, anyways, I, I really enjoyed watching this movie again, and I think it's a really great werewolf movie. Um, I had never seen this movie. I'd always meant to. I I sort of I knew all about it, but I just never got around to it. And Russ's reviews have been mixed. So I was like, yeah, and then it just didn't didn't come up. And uh, so I was. Um, Kind of excited to watch it, and uh, I have to say, I, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it most of the way through. I think it suffers from what all of the uh, most, uh, you know, a lot of werewolf movies suffer from is after an hour and a half, your movie's too long. I just think, like, you know, um, I, I, you know, maybe it's the Wolfman because I feel like there's some stuff going on, but even that could use some trimming. And this one, especially, like, 
once I saw it was pushing, you know, an hour 50, like I was just like, dude, this, if this was a tight hour and a half, I think it would have really worked. And that's not to say it's boring, but I just feel like it loses. It just, it just goes on a little too long. It kind of makes its point and then it kind of makes it again and stuff, especially considering that as Russ said, you know, there's a big on the nose, you know, burgeoning female sexuality, burgeoning, you know, puberty, uh, metaphor here, which is pretty well done. It's a clever, neat thing. But unfortunately, like, you kind of get it, and then you're kind of like, well, there's no point. And the climax doesn't feel – I feel the climax is kind of a bummer. Like, it doesn't – it sort of ends on this somewhat ambiguous note about exactly what happened. But I – it didn't land for me. Like, I was like – like, I felt somewhat dissatisfied. The two leads are great. I think they did a really good job with them being bratty teenagers. Like, a lot of times that can feel on the nose or annoying. And they, despite the fact that these characters are, in, in, as the same with Patience's estimation, somewhat – off-putting because they're sort of bratty teenagers. I never didn't feel sympathy for them. I didn't never didn't worry about them, and I like that. And but I did think they did a good job with, um, you know, them being sort of you know sort of little jerks. And uh, they are really great. I'm sort of surprised the two girls didn't go on to sort of do more. Catherine Isabel, especially, she seemed like she was. She's choice. moved on to some other stuff. She has. American she was in Mary. Hannibal and um and uh. And Holy shit! Really? Yeah, she was in American Mary. She was fucking the lead love that movie. She's the lead. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. yeah. But I, I felt she like played she played a cat. What's her name? Something Werner. Yeah. Werner's yeah, yeah. sister. In, yeah. In, she's in the Hannibal. sister in Hannibal. Yeah. Um, and then she's briefly in, uh, in Christopher Nolan's insomnia, but, um, just, you know, they were really good. And, uh, she's in Freddy's, uh, Freddy versus Jason as well. Huh. Um, but, uh, uh, they're really great. I, I really did enjoy the movie. I don't know that it's maybe visually the most exciting, but it certainly does its job in a very Canadian way. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and like Chris said, Mimi Rogers is, is pretty rad. So overall, also, um, there's a drug dealer character and I just, I liked that character and I liked yeah. where he goes, that relationship. That he doesn't do, he doesn't go the direction you expect. He's no. And I really enjoyed that. And I think the movie does, it did upend my expectations a lot of times and I enjoyed that. So, uh, yeah. And you know, Catherine Isabel is, very attractive, and uh, that didn't hurt either. So you know, I, I have to say, like, I, I like that. But I, I feel like the movie did a really good job with its with what it set out to do. Although, unfortunately, like Russ said, it doesn't quite stick the landing. But uh, kind of a neat, interesting little bit of more. I like this better than some of the other movies. We and I guess it was yeah. a pretty big hit in Canada. Uh, it was a big hit, period, in its own way. I mean, it spawned two sequels. So, um, and I, I got to say, like, returning to this after all these years. I did really enjoy this, although being more capable of seeing, like, being critical over things about it. For instance, I think Emily Perkins, the other sister, who ultimately is, I guess, the protagonist, yeah. uh, is the one not bitten by a werewolf trying to save her sister, is not the world's best actress here. I mean, neither is Catherine Isabel, but they're both very young when they're doing this film. And, like, it, it, it was... They're good for what I think they need to do. It was all but starting out for both these actresses. And they're good for what they need to do, but Perkins especially plays it a little too intensely. All that being said, like, in terms of these girls being unlikable, I'm like... These, I agree, but only to a certain extent. When I was in high school, we, these were girls who were part of my crowd. I knew these girls. I hung out with these girls. You were these girls. I, and we all agreed they were the assholes of our crowd. And yeah. they were always in twos. They were always like that. Like, they may not be sisters. There were always two of them who were like, even in our crowd, we're like, like, totally going to be iconoclast and stand out and like, not like the rest of you. And yet we all still wanted to have sex with them, um, which is pretty much what's happening here. Um, I, I, I feel like the period metaphor, I think it's enough. 
that they're doing that because no one else had done that before. And I think they do it super cleverly. I wasn't waiting for more. It was like, dude, you're nailing it. Scene after scene with doing that. I don't feel like it's, there's anything missing from that. I guess it's just so wet to the metaphor to me. I I mean, it was just so heavy handed. It would kind of felt like it follows with the STD metaphor. I'm just like, okay, I get it. And then you spread it. She spread it through having sex. Everybody loves it follows. No, no, I am not the only one. (laughs) I know. I know. Doom, right. Doomers, you sound up on, up on our Facebook Back and Twitter. Or oh, tell her she's crazy. Whatever, it's a good thing. Anyways. Choose your side. Uh, I wanted to say um, the opening credits where they do a Harold and Maude uh, like montage the, is so part. awesome where they're like for fun, ostensibly for a school project, filming themselves being killed in ways that I'm sure that people living in a suburban house, uh, like a low to middle income suburban house, couldn't afford to actually do, but who cares? They're it was really still really awesome. cool. It was funny. There's yeah. actually pretty decent gore effects going yeah. on. It's like all sorts of ways they've killed themselves off. I don't know. This is a fun movie, and it runs pretty quickly by, and oh, by the way, Lucy Lawless was the voice of the PA in the high school. Oh, no shit. For the record. Mm. Yeah, just an interesting little aside, who she references twice, she calls for, uh, Samuel and Theodore Ramey, please report no. to the principal's <laughs> office. Which I thought was kind of funny. That's cute. But I, I do think this is one of those, like, if you are going to visit the werewolf genre, I would call this one of the essential watches of the yeah, werewolf genre. Yeah, I agree with that. At least like, my it, it definitely has, it does its own thing. It doesn't really resemble a lot of the other stuff no. out there. And, and nobody else has really been able to recapture what it did, even its sequels. So. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're at 51 minutes, and we have four more movies, so I suggest we save those for a third episode. Yeah. Okay. If that's okay with everyone. Because we, oh, yeah. we have no four. questions going in for the next one, yes. so we'll be able to okay, just Okay, we're trying to do 15 minutes right? of movie. Yeah, there you go. But we're going to end this episode. Once again, thanks to Oscar Blues Brewing Company. We're drinking Mama's Little Pills and their IPA. They're delicious, but they have many different flavors. I recommend it. Also, Death by Coconut, their port, uh, toasted coconut porter, which was D. Delicious. Do you have any of that? Uh, we do not. They it's only on tap. They don't unfortunately can that here in Austin. They can mm. it, I believe, in, in uh, Denver. So I didn't have any of that. So Colorado listeners, enjoy yourselves. Yeah, exactly. Fine, but, assholes. Yeah, you know, there's two Colorado locations. There's one in North Carolina. Do they have Carolina. it on tap here at their brewery? Uh, yes, they do. Okay. Well, yeah. I guess we're going to have to take a little field we trip. Have to take a little field trip. Well, we'll be, sure. we're going we're gonna to go check that out. We'll be back to record the next episode. <laughs> and thank you so much to our subscribers. Once again, there is no show without you. There's no show without you, to be very clear. And you guys have been stepping up. But that doesn't mean we don't need more of you to step up. Because quite frankly, at the end of the year, when it comes tax time, this site is unsupportable without a bigger income coming in. And that's that's what you guys are about. It's to say we support everything the show does and we do the best we can. And we have a lot of shows out there to, to give to you guys who are subscribing. By the way, finally working on those T-shirts, we are going to have a design by Matt Frank. Specifically the for this, Matt Frank. the Matt Frank from Giganticast. I know on our on our site for all of you guys, including people who have already earned a T-shirt and people who want to buy one in the future. It's going to be cool. I'm working with him now on the design. I'm super excited about it. But until then, keep screaming.